Jason Farkas spinning the ones and twos for everybody. Welcome to the Never Never Ending Glory College Football Podcast, the college football edition of the Never Ending Glory Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Monner. I'm with the same crew as last week, Farky, Sean Z, Schilling. Welcome, gentlemen. I want to mention, first off, we do have a new Twitter handle for the show. This is uh, how you can reach us, at NEGPodCFB, at NEGPodCFB, and of course, follow the rest of the guys over at Glory Pod on Twitter, like them on Facebook and iTunes as well. Luke and Jerry uh, had an outstanding podcast with uh, Sean's brother Mark about NFL Week Three, and uh, check that out. Make sure you uh, give them a listen as well. But gentlemen, uh, this is a college football podcast, and what an interesting Saturday it was for everybody on this podcast in one way or another. I'm going to start with Sean Z. Sean, I need to know. How it went in Vegas. Give me a, give me the lowdown of the Vegas trip. Give me a lowdown of the Knowles experience from Vegas. Uh, we'll obviously get into all these games here in depth here in a little bit, but uh, I want to hear from Sean and how that whole trip went. It's It was a bitter taste um, when it came to college football and, and picking games uh, and, and handicapping those and, and then obviously the, the Browns money line. But that, save that for a separate pod. What I will say is, is put it in perspective, I was up four figures on table games, and I left Vegas up $500, or no, $575, thanks in large part to my alma mater being the only college football bet that I hit the whole day. I think one for eight, um, and that being the Ohio State Buckeyes, but... My Knowles got trounced, and to have to wake up first thing in the morning after a hangover from a Friday night in Vegas, that was a tough, tough one to sit through. Um, I'm not going to spin it too much. I will say, as odd as it sounds, if they don't have the interception go through his hands uh, in the second quarter, and, and if it's just 28-10 ending into halftime, I thought we still had a remote chance. Um, albeit the the nail in the coffin came early and quick with the uh, 67-yard punt return or something like that from Louisville after three and out from Florida State. So what I will say is just poorly coached. Defensively, it was a nightmare. And Lamar Jackson, for all this, he's real and everything, didn't have to make And uh, that was fine by Louisville. They, They kicked the shit out of Florida State. So hats off to them. I was the most tepid of all the four on this podcast last week, so uh, I'll eat a little bit of my crow, but the number one guy to eat the most crow, the guy that talked it up so much, and they were going to get out athlete, it was going to be a blowout, one Jason Farkey. What do you have to say to yourself? For yourself? <laughs> That's 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 all I'm opening tonight. I I am sorry to our to our listeners. I can't imagine the hordes of money that I cost our listeners over the last weekend. <laughs> well, thankfully we don't have any. So, 
Boy, I'll tell you, I came out I came out with my pick of the year early in the season. That's for sure. Before you go any further, Jay, I have to throw, throw back to last week because as soon as you utter the words that you didn't think this was even going to be a game, Sean was totally flabbergasted because he he even said, this has the stink of Farky on it, man. I'm, I got the curse on me. He called it. Right there. I called yeah, but he, brought, he brought the he brought the reverse jinx in late. I tried. I couldn't. You, you doubled down so much. You can't. You have to like. There's not a big enough reverse jinx to back off of how you framed it. God, I would have take. I would have taken that game at at 35. <laughs> <laughs> For Louisville. For Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm serious. That was my pick of the year. Oh. They had a better chance of finding the sports almanac from Back to the Future 2 than taking my pick. <laughs> uh, what so. about, that, that was tough. I, I don't really have anything else. I'll say this. Louisville's obviously thrust themselves into uh, a contender. Um, and, you know, it will be uh, interesting to see if, if they can kind of maintain it because I, I still don't think. I think their defense is one-dimensional. Uh, they have to just – basically pin their ears back. I think you can run at them. For whatever reason, Dalvin Cook is not right. And they can say his shoulder's not messed up. But he had surgery, I think, in mid or late July. Um, Regardless of what they're saying, he added at least 8 to 10 extra pounds. He hasn't lost that yet. Uh, He looks slow. He looks lethargic. He's not picking up any blocks. Um, You know, a wonderful site does a great job of breaking down game film. Tomahawk Nation uh, does a play-by-play and just – just inviscerates Cook for his lack of effort on some of the blocks, and uh, they're they're spot on. He he's not right. They can say whatever they're saying, and without a, a Dalvin Cook that we had last year, this team's kind of just a block team. Um, so very very disappointing. Um, you know, kind of makes you all the more impressed with with how they were able to come back and specifically Frank. He couldn't pull a rabbit out of his hat in, in this one. In the compound. Getting what I deserved, I not only had Florida State in every parlay that I had Ohio State in, I also got to feel that dagger just slowly twisting throughout the game as I tried to convince myself after every Louisville score mathematically how Florida State was going to be able to come back and still win the game in the amount of time. That was well, so. trust me, I did that. I did that until the punt return, and yeah. then I actually went a little bit into shut it off mode, and then flipped it back on and, and tortured myself while I had degenerates surrounding me. <laughs> what was the atmosphere in the in the sports book, Sean? More people on Florida State or Louisville? I, th- I think. Um, uh, it, it was kind of split. What I will say is, is as it, the worst part about it is once the touchdown to 35 and then 42 and 49, then it started getting the mock cheer and laughter. That's the worst feeling. It's not like, oh, I can deal with them cheering their team. It's when they're, you're getting like the pity laughs and you're getting the overpicks because they're hitting all these points against your team. Yeah. So that was the worst part about it was, was just, uh, that level of kind of vitriol and, and just wanting to see an absolute annihilation. Well, I mean, there was a point in that it was okay. So it's fourteen three, Florida State fourteen ten. I was going to say fourteen three. They get a touchdown, make it fourteen ten. I think collectively, because we were texting back and forth, all four of us, we all kind of felt like, okay, deep breath. Now we're good. We're in the game. Now it's gonna, you know, Florida State's gonna end up uh, kind of taking control of this game here, and it totally 
went the opposite direction. Shilly, didn't you get that feeling at 14-10 that this was going to be a game and we were good? Yeah, yeah, I did. And then, um, Sean, um, I think we mentioned the text too how uh, we, we all hated um, – the decision to go for that field goal there, that 52-yard field goal, uh, instead of, what was it, four, was it fourth and one, fourth and two? Yeah, that, that was 14-3 at that point, and that was just yes. a 52-yard, 53-yard. He's done that. He did that against Ole Miss, and it's just you know closer, and he made six field goals. But you got to get touchdowns, and when Louisville's getting that offense – and they prepared all off season for that game, and you prepared for Ole Miss. You got to have a better feel of that than than Jimbo did. I, you know, I I love the way Jimbo calls a game sometimes, but third and ones and fourth downs with short, he just doesn't know the math. He just he repeatedly messes that up. And as much as we were hoping at fourteen ten, I think they got the third down and short, and then Jackson broke a long one. And next thing you know, two plays there in the end zone. Uh, yeah, the integrity of the, our podcast came into question after uh, oh. after how bad we missed on it, that. It was it was a swing and a miss for sure. And I just have not seen a Florida State defense get shredded for ten fifteen yards a pop quite like that in a long, 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 long time. Well, not not that long because that was that was fourteen Rose Bowl where well, Oregon, we yeah, packed yeah. it up in, yeah. in the second half. I'll say this: when Florida State loses. They lose epically in some of these games because their defense flat out quits against these spread teams, and I don't know why they do it. It, it pisses me off, but um, I'll say it does kind of make it a little easier because it's not, you know, they're not slow turning the knife. They're just jabbing in repeatedly and uh, and leaving my body a beaten, bloody corpse. Anything else we want to say about this game? I, I don't know. <laughs> There's not Let's really, end on beaten, there, bloody there, yeah. court. There's nothing else to say. We all swung and missed on this one. Some of us more than others. And it was, I, I, yeah, I, I'd like to add some. <laughs> How frustrating is it to lose to, to backyard football? Uh, you know, no. Lamar, oh, Lamar Jackson might be the best runner I've seen at the quarterback position, and I'm not exaggerating that. But he makes every bad read. Uh, defensive coordinators going forward, if it's inside the 20, he's keeping it. He's winning that Heisman Trophy, whether you know he's supposed to hand it off to the running back or not. Um, it you know it's it's just so frustrating. And uh, Petrino does a decent job. He's got one read and then he takes off. So he's not a good thrower. He missed a lot of open people early when um, I still had faith that Florida State um, you know could turn it around. But I mean he's not a good quarterback. I mean as a runner, um, you know super impressed. There's nothing else to really say. But I mean it's just so frustrating losing to these. Losing to these teams when we, you know, I think all of us here on the pod really respect in college football the teams that kind of run pro style or offenses have respectable defense. That's why we all hate on the Big Twelve. But it, it's just so frustrating to just see these spread gimmick offenses just just go to town against you. It's frustrating. I, I agree. I, I I just think defensively, you've got to put your corners on an island and make these these quarterbacks actually be quarterbacks and not just glorified running backs. It just it drives me insane. Um, it's the state of college football. It's also why the NFL has such a hell of a time looking at quarterbacks and trying to evaluate them because you know year in and year out, you have to kind of project these guys and they don't know plays and they don't understand reads and it's just it's it's maddening. It's I think it's a little bit of a detriment to the game, but it's the game so much that they won't nitpick it um, for whatever reason, and they love scoring rather than you know a good football game. Have you gotten a chance to see the Showtime show from this week? I have not. I, I purposely avoided it. Um, I don't know when I'm going to watch it. I, I might hate watch it um, late, late Friday night or something. Yeah, I'm really kind of curious how they 
spin that, treat that uh, whole experience there for for better. Well, I, I believe J- Jimbo pulled the cameras or like pulled them on the. He, he sent them out at one point. Before. Yeah, in the locker room at the end of the game, he sent them out. That was that was all over Twitter. Wow. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. Anything else for the for this game here? Piss on it. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. Let's go to a game that was played at 3.30 in the afternoon, which was it started off like we were all going to be big losers in this game as well. And then Alabama righted the ship. They ended up going up by 18. We all felt pretty good about ourselves again, and they let, they, uh, let up two touchdowns at the end to make the final score 48-43. to Alabama ends up coming back, beating Ole Miss 48-43. This is the second loss for Ole Miss now, which they've blown leads of 20 or more. Uh, Schillig, you watched pretty much all of this game. What, did, what were your impressions of Alabama in this game? Uh, we talked last week about, at least I mentioned, that it was going to be interesting to see how well they could run the ball. And I'd say they ran the ball pretty darn well. What do you think, Schillig? Yeah, yeah, they really did. And, and, and Bama's amazing uh, in the aspect of, I feel like they can flip the switch. It's, you know, it's almost like an NBA team where they can – Flip the switch. Um, Old Miss at the beginning, they, they caught a lot of breaks. Um, fortunately, in my you know in my aspect, when it got down, um, you know I, I I didn't feel Bam was out of it because really Old Miss was catching every breaks. So it was it was a live betting dream in my aspect, even though they didn't cover the ten. Uh, you were able to get Alabama plus money anytime through the second quarter. So if you jumped on that, you know I was able to salvage my day a little bit there. Um, Alabama's got to get away from this two quarterback system, not. Jalen Hurts uh, is hurt, if I can say that. Um, but if he's healthy, he, he, he's got to be 100% of the time. You know, they're so dynamic. They, they've never really had a running threat in a while, and it just makes Alabama so dynamic. And Hugh Freeze can, just cannot coach with the lead. I mean, this is the second straight week. It's, you know, it's embarrassing. I really like Ole Miss this week, as we might get to later. Um, I'm thinking about making it a first-half bet because Hugh Freeze at halftime scares the crap out of me. So They, they can't run the ball. I, yeah. they, they just they cannot run the ball. They, and... they, they only had 101 yards rushing on 33 carries. That's three yards a carry. So not, not They're good. not even not good. I, I'm surprised they actually tried that much, but, I mean, that's because they were squatting on the lead. But yep. uh, On the other side of the point, Alabama. Man, I, I, that would be maddening. Yeah, Alabama piles up 334 rushing yards. I think the the problems that we had, uh, w- worries about them running the ball are pretty much over. Chad, Chad Kelly did have a nice game in this one, 421 passing yards. Um, but, uh, again, Ole Miss falls short. Farky, did you get a chance to catch any of this game? Yeah, I caught a majority of it. This this is where I, I really lose my credibility with the listeners here is, is heading into this game. So what I say, I liked it up to sixteen and a half. Was that right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wanted I wanted to I wanted to add points. Maybe Dude, the, I'm sorry, song again. Well, hey, they were up eighteen at one point, Farky. <laughs> that that is true. That is true. Uh, but one thing we can't let get away from this game is is a group that we all despise, and that's the referees. I don't know if anyone knows. Shill, you said you watched the game pretty close. Did you did you recognize how poorly refereed this game was? Oh, in that helmet to helmet, that was a uh, they took it back to the house. That I mean, it was it was clearly helmet to helmet. Whether whether it's targeting, I don't get into that. That rule's dumb. Uh, we could probably spend an hour on that targeting rule. Uh, we all hate it, but. Um, Jalen Hurts was speared by Breland's Peaks. Speared. Yeah. <laughs> Sean, anything to add from this uh, Alabama Ole Miss game? I'm, I imagine after the Florida State game, your state of mind af- in Vegas was probably not the best. 
Uh, got a little loose uh, with with some of the other gambles. Then at that point, uh, I think I did hit the the, uh, the cabana up, uh, hopped in the pool, lazy river, just kind of chilled a little bit and uh, tried to kind of lick my wounds. Um, you know, after that that drubbing. So no, I didn't have too much. We had a cabana bet on Bama, but we also had it on a pit grad who was there. So we had to wait through the lightning only to take an L on that one. Ooh. So. Uh, not much to add on it other than, you know, in hindsight, I wish Ole Miss would have just won um, just because I can't stand Bama. But at the same time, Ole Miss is kind of a joke. So uh, they kind of got Shil- what they had coming to them. Shil, is this the game that that puts you over the top with don't traditionally do with your picks? I, I yeah. gotta be honest, even though Even though I love you to death, man, when you started going off on uh, some of your comments about that, I was dying laughing just picturing you. Damn it! I, I never do this. I never make these picks. Yeah. Well, <laughs> never you guys, take favorites. I, I very, very rarely take road favorites. So you know, it's it's out of my comfort zone. So seeing what happened to Florida State and seeing at the time what was happening to Bama, I'm like, yep. Now, now I see why I never do this. So you know, as we go on throughout this podcast, you'll see me take home dogs and um, um, pretty frequently and. You know, that's just kind of, just kind of my comfort level. So yeah. And uh, let that, the record see actually for halftime. Let the record state they don't get that onside kick. Isn't that a isn't that a cover? Like they they cover like that's a yes. bad yes. beat, right? It was, yes. So they get the onside kick and then they get the the next play touchdown. Um, that that was a brutal brutal beat um, on our end. So that that was a tough one. Yeah, I mean it's hard to call it a bad beat when they're down eighteen, but. Um, I mean, you're, you're right. It should have happened. You know, it, it, this game is played a hundred times over. I take Bama minus 10, you know, over and over again. So it is what it is. Let's move along. I actually didn't see much of, of this game at all. I was driving to, uh, Maryland for a wedding. So uh, I did settle in just in time, uh, unfortunately <laughs> for me for the Michigan state Notre Dame kickoff at seven thirty, And, um, it wasn't pretty for the Irish. And if you guys need to go take a leak or get a beer, uh, you other three guys, this might be a good time to do it because I'm going to need a few minutes to vent here about what I saw <laughs> on Saturday night. First of all, um, let me start. Let's just start here. There was a point in time in the third quarter of the game on Saturday night where I was pretty much as embarrassed as I've ever been to be a Notre Dame fan. This team completely quit in the third quarter. 7 nothing lead in the second quarter, about to get the ball back. You botch a punt. And Michigan State goes on to score 36 points in a row. And this is a team that didn't get to 30 against Furman the week before. Furman. And we let them score 36 in a row at home at night at Notre Dame. And there's two things if you're a Notre Dame fan that I do not want to hear this week. First of all, I heard people saying after the game, well, they showed a lot of heart because they came back when they were down 36-7. to You don't get points for coming back and playing – competitively at home at night against a rival team just because Michigan State decided to get conservative and run the ball every down and we were able to string a few stops together and we decided to finally abandon the run and let Deshaun Kaiser just chuck it all over the yard you don't get here's a second place trophy yeah Yeah. here here, here. enjoy your second place ribbon and the second thing the second thing I don't want to hear from Notre Dame fans is well we've lost two games now the season's over because if you're sitting there watching this team play through two weeks, let alone last week, and you think that this team is making the playoff, you're delusional. This is not a playoff team. So to sit here and say the season's over because we lost two games is delusional. How about you win ten games a couple years in a row? Hasn't been done since 1993. 
So to sit here and say that we're a program that's going to compete for the playoff year in and year out, and that's your expectation, that is absolutely delusional. There's nothing wrong with having 10 wins a year be a good season for Notre Dame right now. So that's what we should be shooting for. And this team, like it or not, at 1-2, and two, still has a chance to win 10 games. So let's just at least get to the point where we're as consistent as maybe a Michigan State or a Stanford, and if things break right for you, you have a chance to make the playoff and play for it all every now and then before we start you got to get that off. defense right, yeah, too. Well, you no got to find and out I'm who's, gonna to who's going to show. And I'm going to get to that because th- this is where Brian Kelly – as you know, and, and I said last week on the podcast, I like Brian Kelly. For full disclosure, I like Brian Kelly. But that being said, you can't sit there and say, all, you know, all year basically he said two two things. First of all, he said he's complained about the lack of leadership on the team, and you can't say that when it took you until panic time against Texas in the first week of the season to pick a starting quarterback. And secondly, Boom. you can't say that when you, you can't say after the Michigan State game that we have to coach better. When you've employed a defensive coordinator now for three years that has proven that he's not getting the job done. 73rd his first year, 45th last year, and now 102nd in the country in total defense out of 128 teams through three weeks. And I could go through the list. Brian Van Gorder, two years ago, 39 to Navy, 55 to Arizona State, 40 to Northwestern at home in regulation, 49 to USC, 44 to Ohio State. 38 to Stanford, 36 to Texas in regulation, and then 36 and 501 yards of offense to Michigan State. 501 yards to Michigan State. And a a defensive line that has a lot of experience, a lot of guys that have played last year, Notre Dame has zero sacks in three games. Zero. They recruit too well for for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a top ten recruiting team in the country. That that's pathetic. One of two teams in the country with zero sacks through three games. So after three years, if you're not producing results, it's time for a change. And maybe it had gotten so bad Saturday. At one point, I thought this might be the game that actually changes Brian Kelly's mind about Brian Van Gorder. And he came close for the first time to calling him out after the game. And he said, "We need to coach better." But he's not firing Brian Van Gorder during the year. That's his boy. They go all the way back to when they coached at Grand Valley State together. But it's disgusting watching our defense. I can't stand it. But this is where we're at right now. I'm hoping we can pick ourselves off the mat, get on a little bit of a roll. Maybe, you know, we have three very winnable games coming up. We could get to 4-2, and two, and then we get Stanford at home with a chance to maybe make something out of the year. But that could be wishful thinking. I still think this team is talented enough to win 10 games, but very, very, very disappointing effort on Saturday night. And, and you know, I'm sorry for the uh, long diatribe there. We won't probably talk about Notre Dame for the next three weeks. But um, I had to get that off my chest. Sean, you were in Vegas. You, I know you bet Notre Dame. Your takeaways from that game. Um, I, I just don't understand what's taking so long to give the ball to Kaiser and just let him kind of do his thing. I, it's over coaching one-on-one on one end of the – or on one ball. And on the other side of the football, I don't know what the hell they're doing defensively. Uh, it, it, here's the thing. Michigan State isn't Louisville. Like, Michigan State's not doing anything that's like – Anything other than line up and yeah, hit you exactly. in the mouth. Exactly, it was line up and, it, and pound the football. Two hundred sixty you know, rushing. If they beat you, if they beat you twenty, you know, twenty or twenty-eight to, to twenty, I mean, they just beat you like Stanford does sometimes. You take it, but to to get trounced like that um, and kind of give them the first score and then make it so damn easy on them uh, at your place at night—that's pathetic. 
Um, just utterly pathetic. Uh, the one other kind of take that I have to this is, you know, yet again, Mike, uh, Mark D'Antonio um, just has his team ready to play. No question. Teamed up, doesn't have the athletes, um, but damn that front seven. That front seven is how you defend the spread. How you defend the spread is, or whenever they do, they do the read option, you just go tackle where they're going to hand it off. You run to that spot, and you just try and tackle that spot. You're going to get one of the two, and sometimes in, in the case against Notre Dame, they got both guys. So I think you blow it up that way, and it wasn't until late third quarter that Kelly was just like, all right, we're going to open up and just try and pass it. Forget all the play-action gimmick right. BS. Right. Let's try and actually be more conventional, albeit from the shotgun. Uh, and they had success there. So I think you know that's one of those situations that may have sound something offensively, but at the same time, I, you, I don't think you can't help but be impressed with Michigan State. I still think they're the third best team in the Big Ten. Uh, but damn, that's a pretty good third yeah. third place team in, in your conference. And, and we'll get to that later on here when we talk about Week Four. But the Big Ten has put together three pretty solid weeks uh, with, with the upper echelon of the conference, at least. And Michigan State, uh, it, you got to respect the hell out of what they do because they they know who they are. They come in with a plan, and they execute the plan. 260 rushing yards to 57. That's Michigan State football. They held Notre Dame to 57 rushing yards on 25 attempts. Two-to-one time possession. It was a textbook clinic in terms of you know what Michigan State came to do and going out and executing it and doing it. Uh, you, you other two guys have any uh, takeaways from this game, Shelly? Um, kind of just a question: Are, are, are Notre Dame's corners, um, you know, big time recruits? Because I mean, they look like outside linebackers out there. It's almost like strong safeties out there in the corners, and I, you know, that kind of stood out to me. I'm just like, I think Notre Dame's had uh, three straight top five recruiting classes, and I just look at their secondary, and it just, you know, I'm sure it makes you want to puke. And I'm kind of well, just, you know, you're combining playing a lot of true freshmen with. A senior in Cole Luke who looked like he had no idea what he was doing the entire game. I, I well, first of all, he had an interception that was literally just taken right out of his hands in the end zone, and on the last third down play where Michigan State converted to basically seal the game, he was completely lost in coverage and let a guy wide open 25 yards down the field. So, who knows? I couldn't tell you. But. It, one thing's for damn sure, they're not being coached very well. I can tell you that. Just I don't know football like a lot of you guys know football X's and O's, but you could tell when a team's well coached and when they're not, and this team's not well coached. I had a couple things. First, first take was uh, just to give a plug to uh, Big Arch. Uh, the zero sacks in first three games I saw was first reported by him on Twitter. That's uh, JArch24. So shout out to him for being on top of that. Also, Sean, you, you led into the, the one big take I had from this game, and that was when they kind of Notre Dame chipped away there mid to, to the end of the third quarter. D'Antonio shut down the blitz packages into the second half. I, I didn't understand that because he usually doesn't let his foot off the pedal. And, and when they made a little bit of a, when they made a little bit of progress and chipped away at that score, that they weren't bringing anybody. And, and like you said, they started to pass the ball well, got some first downs, moved up and down the field. That, I, I don't know. It, it just seemed odd that he shut the blitz packages down that were working so well in the first half. One last thing I'll add here, and this is just kind of the state of Notre Dame football as a whole, but you know, this this game was kind of a microcosm of the program and where it's at, and that you just can't sustain anything consistently. This was a this is a classic. You know, they come back, they tease you into thinking that they're in the game, 
but we all know how it's going to end. And, and that somebody, uh, actually, Shilly, your coworker, who we, we all know, Mike Moorhead's a big Notre Dame fan, he texted me the other night and said that was as disheartening a loss as he could remember since the, the Florida State game in 2014. And I, and I remember back, and Sean, you were at this game. I remember when that game was over, actually feeling pretty good about where our program yeah, was at. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with that. I, that. I thought you that, guys were, were going to be in the playoff with us. That's how I looked at that That game. was a great, great game. Two evenly matched teams is what it looked like. Florida State ended up going on to make the playoff. Notre Dame instead goes the other way. They lose. They, they barely beat Navy and then lose four lost. in a row. Arizona State game. That's right. that's what blew it for you. Right. Well, we lost. Then we lost four in a row. We just totally collapsed. Yeah. And then you know you rebound from that. You beat LSU in the bowl game. You start off last year ten and one, and then lose four. And now we've lost four out of five going back to last year. There's just no consistency whatsoever. You know, you follow up a 2012 year where you go to the national championship with a nine and four. The year after that, where you have an inexcusable loss to Pittsburgh. It's just, it just the program doesn't seem like it can sustain anything consistently they show you flashes of putting it together but they just can't do it that's what's frustrating about being a Notre Dame fan in my opinion anything else for the good of the order on this game before we move on to something much more pleasant for everybody else on this uh podcast I, I, I appreciate I appreciate you shouting on my boss yeah it was uh uh Monday yeah he vetted me pretty much like you just did for the last uh 10 minutes so uh appreciate you shout out Mike, cutting those checks bud appreciate that yeah. Yeah, and we do we do promos. So if you want to sponsor your business here, we're more than happy to do it, Mike. <laughs> All right, moving along. Uh, let's go with the last marquee game of the weekend, and that was Ohio State at Oklahoma, obviously. And what a performance turned in by the Ohio State Buckeyes. Farky, I'm going to let you start with this one because if you're an Ohio State fan, as you are, man, you had to feel pretty good about the way your team looked on Saturday night. Yeah, this one this one kind of healed all the wounds from earlier in the day for me. Uh, I don't even know where you want to start. We could start with Big Game Bob. You know, it was it was just it, it was typical backs against the wall, big game, last shot at being able to make the college football playoffs, and they run into a buzzsaw coached by, like Sean said, Urban Meyer. I mean, it it was just a clinic from really from really all aspects of the game, and it started. At the beginning, and it didn't really stop. It, they never let off the gas. Uh, they seemed to have a game plan in place for everything Oklahoma was throwing at them and everything that they wanted to throw at Oklahoma. And then, for me, really, I think uh, it's really a consensus with all Buckeyes fans who know what uh, Noah Brown went through last year and being injured, missing the season. It was awesome to watch him catch five passes, four being touchdowns in that game, seeing some excitement from him, somebody that that battled back from injury and and really it's, is going to play a big part in this team's success on the offensive side of the ball this year. The one catch was one of the best catches I've ever seen. It's crazy. It, it, it was pretty fantastic. What I'll say is, I mean, I, I keep coming back to Urban Meyer. Um, what it reminded me of was 2007 national title when he had Florida against Ohio State. Florida had a different speed. Ohio State had a different speed against Oklahoma. The scheme was there. They were getting positive play, positive yards almost every play. I mean, I, I, it, it's obvious now, but the week before was just total preparation, lukewarm game plan, and they just teed it up. They built, they packed the box. They said, "Oh, you, you're not running. Let's make Mayfield do in the pocket." And what he does is he backs up five more yards to try and throw over guys. Um, so they exploited him and Ohio State secondary. 
wow. I mean, those guys are big time. I mean, big time players. And Conley not being hurt, that, that's that's a big uh, big save for them. But they can put four guys on an island and feel pretty comfortable. And when you can do that, you can throw seven in the box. And even though they've got some deficiencies on the defensive line, they're not going to play a team that's going to exploit those unless they play that team down in Tuscaloosa. Well, this, this for me, coming it just just continuing on Urban Meyer was was just a culmination of what he can do now after having four so recruiting classes and losing five first rounders, all those starters, and now it's just every year hopefully going to be reload, 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 reload. It was just to me just a statement game of his recruiting and coaching ability. Well, and you know, props to Urban, but, but let's not let's also frame something in. Urban has brought in coaches that are yeah. either that were experienced, but then he's got some guys, and you know we happen to know one of them specifically. But we, he's got some guys that are hungry, young, and just attack, and, and they were attack, attack and recruiting. And when you can coach that way with your game plan and your style, you, you let you, you know you're releasing wolves uh, wow. in some of these games. And John, you know, it's not even just him. that. It's not even just that. He he and Nick Saban are kind of the same. They can hand pick anybody. That they want basically to come work for them. I mean, like, yeah, but, but, Satan, but I mean, Satan gets guys that are proven. Urban, Urban's being really slick. I mean, He's giving guys that are young Urban Myers. But Ur, but Urban brought over Tony Alford, who was a running backs coach at Notre Dame, who was very highly thought of, and is now on the Iowa State staff. That was a very interesting move for him, and I thought just kind of further cemented the fact that Urban's got a lot of draw, much like Nick Saban for for anybody who's kind of looking to maybe be, eventually become a head coach or just flat out wants to win a national championship well sean sean had a great point there too with it and and i read a comment before the game uh, from shiano and he said that he didn't he didn't have a lot of concerns about these younger guys in this first big game like this because he said these guys all are so hungry and these guys all just love to play football they're just dying to get in a big game like this for the first time you know it really could have gone either way guys sometimes buckle under the pressure but these guys lived up to everything these coaches were saying about them they were hungry and and they performed to to prove it it reminded me of Michigan State game two years ago too just going into their place and taking the life out of the crowd um, a lot of similarities there, and we obviously know how that team started to reel them off. I don't know if it's the exact same because that team is super physical, but it's a there, there's more speed on this team, it feels like. Well, I think one similarity you can draw is that the quarterback of those two games is the same, and I think JT Barrett has been a very important part of Ohio State's offense clicking the way it is because he's playing at a very high level right now. But it's not it's not gaudy numbers either. No, it's I'm just, not talking about it's numbers. Just yeah. It's just straight. No, no, I know you're not. It's just, but it's just straight game management from somebody that just has experience it's, and yeah, poise. It's efficient. 152 yards, 70 yards rushing. That's those aren't Heisman numbers, no. but everybody just clicks around him. And he has experience, and he's playing with efficiency. He's not turning the ball over. He's doing exactly what needs to be done. And their explosiveness is back. By the way, anything else? No, I mean, I mean, you guys covered it pretty well. I mean, for the sake of this pod, I'm, I'm assuming we all just want the Big Twelve to keep losing. So, I mean, that'd be fantastic. Um, I think, um, Sean, I mean, you, uh, you called before the game that Scoops, would, Scoops would get out coached, and, um, you know, I think I'm the only one that kind of took OU, but more of a, you know, contrarian thought there. But I took him. I, I, I haven't, I haven't seen Baker Mayfield a lot. 
and you know that's kind of my fault. But I'm not impressed at all. So maybe Baker, he just Baker Mayfield is an arena bull defenses, but yeah, he's an arena bull quarterback. Sorry. That's all he is, like uh, or arena league. He. He's not uh, uh, an above-average college quarterback. Anybody says otherwise just doesn't watch Big 12. Big 12 sucks. That conference blows. I'm sick of hearing about the, the gunslinger. Can we can we get away now from the gunslinger? Yeah. He, he, ought to, he ought to take a gun and put it to his head the way he played. <laughs> Interesting take. Boom. All right. Roast. We're going to move on and go rapid fire here into some of these week four games because uh, it's a good slate, not great. Uh, we have some some matchups here that we will uh, get into. Let's start with uh, let's start with Thursday night, Clemson at Georgia Tech. This is an interesting game because kind of a look ahead spot for Clemson. They have Louisville coming up uh, Thursday night game. Uh, they played South Carolina State last week, so they were probably prepping for Georgia Tech the entire time. So I won't necessarily say it's a short week, but they're nine and a half point favorites at Georgia Tech. Thoughts on this matchup, Farkey? I like Clemson. Obviously, they were they were pretty um, probably pretty disappointing to their to themselves and their fan base the first couple games, but then rolled out hard hard last week. Um, I think they've got their offense kind of clicking now. They they were getting away from a lot of the things that they were they were successful with last year. People are going to hinge on the fact that Georgia Tech has. Uh, it's putting up a ton of yardage and a ton of numbers, but Clemson has one of the best defensive fronts in the in college football. So this, I, I'm not really buying into any of that. I, I like Clemson in this game. Chilling. Well, here we go again. Another Thursday night home dogs. Yeah, um, I, I think I know where you're so, going with this one. Here we go again. You know, Q's got blown out late. Um, Cincinnati helped, even though Cincinnati got dominated against Houston. Um, you know, they, they did have a chance to cover there. So I'm gonna. Here's exactly how it's gonna work out. Lines at nine and a half now. It's gonna go north of ten. I'm gonna talk myself into Georgia Tech. Um, you know, it is a short week. You know, you kind of threw that idea out the window. But Georgia Tech's three and zero. They played nobody. Um, but in a shortened game, the way Georgia Tech likes to run the ball, I'm gonna be tempted to take the points here. Um, I think Clemson wins a close one. Clemson has all the good guys. You know, so is this game Clemson? You know, shows up and blows them out. Maybe, but um, you know, I'm going to play. I'm going to start playing numbers here instead of teams, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm probably going to be tempted here to take the points. So, do you, Shill? Yeah, <laughs> Sean. I, I I don't really have a feel on this one. I, I could I could paint it both ways. I think if Georgia Tech gets a little bit of a lead early, things get very difficult for Clemson, particularly if they can shut down or try and corral Mike Williams because Watson seems like he's got an, an affinity this year for staying in the pocket. Um, I don't think we can judge anything off South Carolina State. I and mean, that's practically a school for the blind. That, that uh, game actually had a shortened quarters in the second half, by the way. If you just run the clock. Did they do that? Yeah. Yeah, that, that explains a lot. <laughs> what I will say is is um, if Clemson gets up, Georgia Tech isn't equipped to kind of play catch-up. But, you know, some, if Florida State had a game with Georgia Tech last year, um, I'd take the points, too. Uh, I'm not terribly in love with it, but I do think it starts to go north. And if it gets above 10, 10, I think you have to take it just out of principle. Yeah, I took I took, I took took Georgia Tech at 11 when it first came out. So I'm satisfied with that. Um, you know, I guess like you guys said, I don't love it. But I think just to have some action on it, I have to play with the underdog here. 
thing is, is be weary of a late score for a late cover for Georgia Tech too, because Clemson's not going to keep those big defensive tackles in the game against all that cutting and blocking. If they're if they know they're going to win the game, like that last drive or two, you could be seeing them just say, "We got to stay healthy for Louisville." I'll buy that. Yeah. Well, historically, Thursday night, um, a lot of weird things happen. You know, even though it hasn't. You know, transpired in, a lot in these first couple weeks, but you know, I, I'm gonna play the odds here and just take the points for Georgia Tech. Noon game on Saturday, Georgia at Ole Miss. Very interesting spot here for Ole Miss coming off uh, the loss last week, and obviously now one and two on the year. This line right now is seven in favor of Ole Miss. Uh, Sean, your thoughts on this game? I don't see Jacob Eason. If he does go in and win, the legend of him starts to grow. But I, I just don't see how he goes in and beats Ole Miss. Um, I think Old Miss is, too, is almost too good to be one and three. So I just I kind of play back into um, they'll level up. I'm not sure Old Miss loses the rest of the year. If they do, they only lose one game. So I can see them kind of ending the year eight and three. I don't see that third loss being Georgia this week. Farky, if this game was in Georgia, I'd, I'd like Georgia with the points. But being in Old Miss, I, I do like I do like them with giving up the points. The only thing I'm leery about is that. I've watched every one of their games from start to finish this year, and, and they do not stop the run. So uh, that is the one fear I have, but I, I like Ole Miss. Joe. How excited were we coming in this year that, uh, you know, Nick Chubb was back and healthy and they were going to run the ball? I mean, Georgia just hasn't run the ball well at all. So, yeah, Farky, you're right. I am a little leery of it. But, uh, you know, let's make it a clean sweep here. Um, I like Ole Miss minus points as well, which – if, you know, the first week of the pod means anything, it's probably going to be a loser. So here well, we go. We're kind of all in agreement on this. I, I agree with what Farky said. If this game was at Georgia, I'd have a different opinion. But coming home, uh, finally getting to play a big game in front of their home fans, and, and Schilling's point, Nick Chubb the last two weeks, 80 against Nickel State, 63 against Missouri. Having a hard time getting going on the ground these last two weeks. I'm going to take Ole Miss minus seven here as well. Moving on, let's talk about Sean's Florida State Seminoles. They are going on the road although not very far, in-state to play South Florida. This line is interesting. This is also a noon game. Florida State is currently favored by 5.5 points at South Florida. Sean, I'll let you have the first crack at this one. I think the line comes down, and um, I think South Florida wins. Wow, interesting. I I, I flipped. I was going to say 23-20. I think actually I told you guys that yesterday. I'm going to flip it around. I think it's 23-20 South Florida. Feeling. It. it. <laughs> to what you said oh my goodness! Um, we got to zig. We got to be against each other a little bit. Go with what you said yesterday. I, I guess so. Jeez. Um, if Florida State would have been competitive, or at least won, you know, possibly won that Louisville game, this would be the perfect spot to take South Florida. Um, I, I trust Jimbo. Um, so th- this line does scare me. The line opened up at Florida State minus two. Um. You know, let's just say Florida State would have beat Louisville. This line would have been 12, 13, something crazy like that. And South Florida would have been, you know, perfect to play here. So um, I'll take the overreaction to last week and, um, you know, I'll, I'll lay the points points with Florida State here. Farky. I'm going to take Florida State as well. I'm, I'm not going to try to uh, chip away at Sean's reverse jinx. I'm gonna let it's him not have it. A reverse game, I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna let him have it this week. I'm. I'm going strictly off the numbers. And in the last five years under Jimbo, they haven't lost a game coming off. So no back-to-back losses in five years. I'm gonna take the Knolls. 
I'm going to take Florida State as well. Uh, don't love it, but if I have to pick a side in this game, and I'm not sure that I will uh, when it comes to actually putting a wager in, but if I have to pick somebody, I'm taking Florida State because I, I just believe in their talent too much. I think Jimbo will rally the troops, and I, I think they win this game by a touchdown. Moving along, we are going to go ahead and go to the Big Ten. This game is also, unfortunately, a noon game. Wisconsin at Michigan State. Interesting spot for Michigan State off a big win, coming home, playing against the 11th-ranked Badgers of Wisconsin. The Big Ten right now has four of the top 11 teams in the AP poll, which I'm not sure a lot of people had that coming into the year. But uh, Sean, or Schilling, rather, go ahead and uh, take your first crack at this game. Right now, Michigan State is a a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, I mean, I like, um, you know, I really like what Michigan State did uh, last week. Uh, that being said, uh, look at Wisconsin's upcoming schedule. At Michigan State, at Michigan, home against Ohio State, home against Nebraska. So I think they see the murderer's row here. This is going to be an ugly game um, as both these teams want to make it. So I'm very tempted just to take the points here. I think it's low scoring. I think that five and a half means more than uh, it normally would. Michigan State's off a huge win. Um, Wisconsin's win against LSU does not look good anymore. So I, I thought this line would be higher. So I'm going to take the bait and uh, take Wisconsin plus points, actually. Sean? I'm going the same way. Um, I, I'm not sure either of these teams are good, but under that scenario, I'll just take the five and a half points because I think it's a, maybe a 13-10 game. Jay. Similar to the Ole Miss game, I'm, I'm going to take it just because Michigan State's at home, so I'm going to take the points with Michigan State. Uh, this is a game where I desperately want to root for Wisconsin, but um, if, if I'm playing the game, I'm, I'm taking Michigan State at home just simply because of the home factor. And I do think that they they did show some heart, did show some character in that, that big win against Notre Dame, and uh, I, th- I think it'll, it'll spill over into this week. Boy, tough, tough spot here for Michigan State off of an emotional win, and that, that gives me great pause when giving five and a half, but at the end of the day, I'm going to take Mark D'Antonio against Paul Crest any day of the week, so give me Michigan State at home. Um, staying in the Big Ten, Penn State and Michigan. This game is at 3.30 in the big house. Michigan is right now an 18-and-a-half-point favorite against Penn State. Sean, you are going to marry a Penn State grad, so I'm going to let you have the first crack at this one. Uh... Penn State lost their linebacker. Um, I think it's their best linebacker. That's a big loss. I think this is a Michigan boat race um, that will keep under the radar, at least in my household. Uh, but but I, I think Michigan wins, and what happens is, is there starts to become reverse value, uh, whoever Michigan's playing then, uh, the next few few weeks after that. So I take Michigan's, Michigan. I don't love the points, but... I just I see a blowout here. I just I see like a a, a thirty seven ten type type score thirty seven nine something pretty crazy. And Jabril Preppers just goes yeah, nuts. Is, I was just gonna say that just something to add. Jabril Preppers is really 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 good. Jay, I'm also gonna take Michigan. I, I listened to a Jim Harbaugh interview yesterday on the radio, and I, I just shake my head every time I do because I, I can't tell whether he's being cryptic. Um, yeah, I don't know whether to take him seriously, or, or or if he's just dumb. But <laughs> but he's not because here we are, the ranked fourth in the country after just a few years of having Harbaugh, and these guys, when this program was just in shambles for a number of years, and the, here they are. So the guy can coach, the guy can recruit. I, I would love 
this is other than Ohio State, just because of, of bias reasons. I would love to follow this program around for a season and be behind the scenes and hear him in the locker room and hear how he coaches it up and what he does behind the scenes. On air in the public, I, I just I just shake my head. But I, I'll take Michigan. Chilly. Um, actually, Penn State's going to miss all three of their starting linebackers. So um, there you go. I think this has blowout written all over it. I'll I'll, I'll take uh, Michigan. Yeah, I'm taking the Wolverines as well. In the SEC, at the same time, the rivalry between Florida and Tennessee. Tennessee is going for their first win against Florida in 12 tries. If they don't beat them this year, boy, Butch Jones is going to be hearing it from the Tennessee faithful. Uh, Shillig, what's your thoughts on this matchup here? Florida at Tennessee. This line right now is, I believe, just under a touchdown. Yeah, six and a half, Tennessee favorite over Florida at home. Yeah, I mean, even though Florida's Florida's starting a backup quarterback, I'm hoping this comes back up. I wish I would have jumped on the – I think it opened up at plus eight. But, uh, you know, Tennessee's the UCLA of the of the East. Um, I think they're overhyped every year. Um, that Virginia Tech score is very misleading. So, um, you know, I really don't think they have a real dumb bar. So, um, I'm hoping it gets above seven. But um, either way, you know, if I have to make a pick, I'm taking Florida in the points. By the way, Florida is starting Austin Appleby, who is a, Florida, a Purdue transfer. And what's funny about that is there are two Purdue transfers starting in the SEC this week. Danny Etling is starting for LSU, and Austin Appleby is starting for Florida. So apparently Purdue and is so Purdue lo- is Purdue the is, worst program in the Big <laughs> Purdue is so loaded at quarterback that two of their castoffs are starting in the SEC this week. North Canton, though. Yes. Austin Appleby, North Canton. <clears throat> North Canton, Hoover graduate. Sean, what do you think about this matchup? Uh, I, I, this, there's no way that this should be less um, or should be more than three points or three and a half, I guess, for college football. Florida all the way, Florida money line. Um, I just don't buy into Tennessee, Florida's defense. If Josh Dobbs doesn't run for 100 yards, Tennessee has no shot to win this game because he can't throw the ball. If he runs and they turn it into just trying him and uh, Jalen Hurd, They've got a chance, um, but I think Tennessee's dinged up at their defensive line, at have a linebacker out, and maybe even another outside rush rusher uh, that's dinged up as well. So and a this is, yeah, and a corner. Okay, so all three levels. This is tailor made for another Florida seventeen sixteen win. Jay, I'm gonna take Florida. I. I've been cold on Tennessee since the start of the season. I wasn't really buying into them, but they do have potential, have have some studs, but their top cornerbacks out. So I'm going to factor that in. I'm going to go Florida. I'm taking Florida as well. At least all of us, though, we can all agree that we're all big Butch Jones fans, especially you, Sean, right? Oh, it sucks. <laughs> the, the thing is, is, I'm not sure. Again, these are another one of those matchups. I don't think either of these teams is good, but I know Tennessee's not good. Like I, I and I know they're not as good as as six and a half, seven points, eight points. If that gets above seven, I mean, I'm getting a mortgage paid. <laughs> uh, I just want to throw this game on the slate because we're speaking about coaches that we all love, Dana Holgerson is playing in Washington, D.C. on Saturday against BYU, coming off a, a tough loss, but a cover BYU did on Saturday night against UCLA. Um, uh, they're playing against West Virginia in D.C. Uh, what do we thought, think about the Hog getting some national TV time on Saturday afternoon, Sean? I think it's the perfect area. We've got two candidates that 
by and large, are the most disliked. It's time to reverse the ticket. Let's get a hog and huggy uh, presidential ticket. Let's 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 turn this country into a real shit show. <laughs> I'm taking the hog. By the way, oh. I mean this is a contrast. You got the hog versus BYU Mormons, Holgerson all the way. They serve bourbon and scotch in D.C. They don't serve <laughs> sugarless Coca Cola. <laughs> I can't really add much to that. Farky? <laughs> What'd you say the line is? The line, sorry, the line is three. Um, West Virginia is favored by three. I'm with, I'm with the unit. I'm, I'm sorry. Sold. No, I'm He's sorry. Sold. No, let me correct that. The line is seven. I'm still with the unit. He sold me. Ride or die. <laughs> Jill? I can't, I, I can't top that take. No, no, you can't. Um, I'm actually staying away unless this line comes down. I actually opened up West Virginia minus one, and I'm an idiot for not clearing time on Sunday to uh, no. get these betting line opens. No, let, me stop you right, let me stop you right there. Forget your take. You're taking the hold, and here's why. Because we're all going to bet it, and we're going to be watching the game, and even if they're getting blown out, there is tremendous potential for a great blow-up on the sidelines, and you're gonna, it's going to make you forget all about losing your bet. Here's what I like about hold, and this is what I like about Huggins. <laughs> When my team that I bet on and he's coaching is losing, I feel he's just as frustrated Absolutely. as I am. 100% agree with that. That's what I like about my guys. That's why I'm pro Jimbo because when he's bitching at these guys, he's doing the same thing that I'm doing through the TV. Yeah, even even Brian Kelly to an extent. I mean, he was turning around looking yeah, at his he don't like, like that what the hell is going on out here? He don't light him up enough. I, I already have him packing his bags. <laughs> I'd have a bellhop right, right. on the side. I'd have a bellhop <laughs> on the sideline, and I'd hit the bell, and I'd send him over to him, and then he would walk out like through the tunnel towards touchdown Jesus or whichever direction he walked for the tunnel as I'm coaching the rest of the game. Well, that's what I would do if I'm Brian Kelly. You know who lives in South Bend is Hawk Harrelson, and a he gone would be just perfectly timed right now. Exactly. Chill. Like anything to add on that? On this game, no, I, I guess I'm taking the hold. So, so let me twist that. Uh, BYU's had a brutal schedule recently, so they've been at Zona, at Utah, and UCLA. So, I'm hoping they run out of steam and you know, hold keeps drinking. So, yeah, they, they travel by horse and buggy. So, yeah. all that, those miles, they don't got frequent flyer miles. SEC game, and last week we touched on uh, the Auburn Tigers and how this was a very important game for Gus Malzahn last week against Texas A&M, and it did not go well for him. These are this is basically a matchup between LSU and Auburn, of which coach is going to be showing the door first at the end of the year. Anybody uh, with a strong opinion on this game, Farky? Oh, I got a strong take. I hope Gus Malzahn has Muco um, coupons from Bed Bath and Beyond because that two dude just pooped the bed Saturday night. He shit all over it, and he better be able to buy a whole new set queen bed or twin bed or whatever he sleeps on because. Not only is he going to need new sheets, he's going to need to move the whole operation to you know some FCS conference where he uh, where he can go coach up some lame duck team that that can run with nine wide receivers and a center and a quarterback because he gone because LSU is going to find a way and boat race Auburn and put a fork in his lazy ass. Maybe Arkansas with, State will hire and they're the only team they beat this year with Danny Atling at quarterback. Yeah, uh, Farky. Uh, I, I can't believe that I'm gonna I'm gonna root for less miles the, this the week. The line is three and a half, by the way. LSU's minus three and a half on the road. I mean, less miles for me is 
as bad as it gets, but I'm going to go ahead and root for him just because I like money. The Auburn offense has been so Are, are you sure about that? Uh, <laughs> if last week was any indication, it looked like you were allergic to it. I, I, I just uh, – Gosh, it just I, I get nauseated thinking about rooting for that guy, especially when I have to watch him give an interview every game day and I have to change the channel. But Auburn's offense, like I said, is so inconsistent, it's even worse watching that. So but Jay, he, here. he eats grass. That's cool, right? Oh God. Chilling. The guy, the guy has a national championship. Wrap your head around that. Yeah, he sure does. Chilling. Um, I actually hate this game. I'm not gonna watch it. So oh, there's no chance I'm watching I refuse. This I refuse to make a pick right now. If I happen to send in a group chat that I made a pick on this, you guys can scold me next week. I refuse to comment on this game. There's not one chance I'm watching a play of this game. Zero chance. I'm I, not watching a play either, but yeah. I am going to check the score and cross my fingers that it says like LSU 24, Auburn 3. And they might not let those those get, War Eagle might not let him leave the stadium. They might hang him by his sweater vest. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> that, right. I got to give credit. I don't know who who gave me that dig on the uh, liking money, but it was well deserved. That's for sure. <laughs> I think it was a combined effort. Uh, rapid fire here through these last four games: Big Ten, Nebraska at Northwestern. Nebraska coming off a nice home win last week, going to Evanston. They're seven and a half point favorites. Sean, your thoughts on this one? Northwestern. Chili. Uh, Northwestern always scares a couple people once or twice a year. Uh, Nebraska's off a big win. Give me the points in uh, Northwestern. Farkey. I'm, I'm just going to start to go with colorful takes. I'm taking Nebraska because I can't stand rooting for Northwestern because of Mike Greenberg. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am actually going to take Northwestern at home as well. But uh, actually, odds are I probably will not bet this game. But if I had to, that's who I would take. Stanford at UCLA. This is an 8 o'clock game on ABC. Stanford is 2-0, 7th in the country. UCLA uh, off a nice win last week against BYU. Stanford's a field goal favorite at UCLA. Schilling. Sean, you're going to zig. I'm going to zag right now. Um, I don't know why I am taking UCLA. Uh, Um, I I hate Josh Rosen, but I I think this team – oh, I can't believe I'm saying this. I think this team's talented enough. Um, They are literally all Christian McCaffrey. Their, their second leading receiver has five catches. He literally touched the ball 70% of the time. So um, if they can corral him at all, I actually uh, might be on UCLA Moneyline, and I cannot believe I'm saying that. I hate his stash, but uh, let's hope he comes through for one week. Yeah, UCLA is the spot to play in this game, but that being said, I can't do it. I'll be staying away. Farky. I'm rolling with the great White Hope, uh, McCaffrey, and uh... – and the, the staple program, Stanford. Sean. UCLA, actually. Um, I actually I, I'm is uh, against Rosen as you guys, um, but so I, I'm going to take him. I, I just for all the reasons Shelly explained. I, I love McCaffrey. I just if he does this through the whole season, I don't know how he can't be a high, the Heisman winner, regardless of what Lamar Jackson. I mean, he is. Incredible to watch, and he gets plays called back, and he goes ahead and just you know doubles down on it. Uh, it, it it's really really impressive. Um, so I got to take uh, the Bruins though. Well, the last time McCaffrey played it, the Rose Bowl, he only had 368 all-purpose yards. So if that's any <laughs> indication of how he plays, it. <laughs> and Jim yeah, Jim Mora is just the guy to let that happen again. 
Man, is he fun to watch, too. Ugh. Arkansas at Texas A&M. This is an interesting game as well, 9 o'clock on ESPN. Both teams 3-0. Texas A&M is a 5.5-point favorite. Farky. Uh, Texas A&M, we all know why. Uh, yep. <laughs> well, I mean, tell us why. What What is the uniting... That's a Dan Shrek shout-out. Yeah, Dan this, Shrek. Is, this is for our friend Shrek. Why, why, do you, why are you making that pick, Jay? Old Brett. I mean, we, we talked about some coaches today, but, man, that, that guy, he makes it really easy to root against. <laughs> Sean, you want to go ahead and piggyback on that? <sighs> I like Arkansas. I, just, I don't like A&M. Uh, I thought they got – I, I I hope I'm wrong. I can't stand Bielema, but I love the football team that he has. He's got a Big Ten football team and a throwback SEC school amidst all these spread offenses. And there's a reason why that team gives Alabama fits. I, I just I, I like Arkansas in this game. I actually, they, they seem to like you know they might be the sleeper. I think the Ole Miss beats them. Um, in Alabama, but I, I don't know who else in the uh, in the SEC. Chilling. Oh, I can't believe we're agreeing. Um, I think AM's defense is pretty good. I think their offense is garbage. Give me that stupid military buzz cut and Brett Bielema in the points. I'm going to actually. You know, uh, Brett's, Brett's chasing, chasing Jimbo right now for career SEC wins. <laughs> he, he is. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and take Texas A&M in this game as well. I didn't like taking them last week, and they came through for me. So I'm going to go ahead and not like taking them this week, and hopefully they come through for me again. Last game on the docket, Washington at Arizona. This is the late game. Uh, Washington 3-0, going to play Rich Rod's boys. They're 2-1. Washington is giving 11 to Arizona. Schillig, what do you think? Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but Washington's number nine in the country. They haven't played anybody, so... um... I think this is a big look-ahead spot for them. They have Stanford and at Oregon coming up in the next two weeks. So, uh, reluctantly, I'm going to take Zona and the points here. Uh, Washington hasn't played anybody the first few weeks, so it's kind of a step up in competition, and um, they should be looking ahead to the next two weeks. Sean? I like Zona, too, just for that angle, but kind of deep down would love a Washington blowout because then you can fade the hell out of them the next week. Good point. Jay? I'd really like Chris Peterson. This should be a shootout. I'm going to take Washington just because um, I, I do. I want to see uh, I want to see them kind of prove themselves to be an upper echelon team this year and, and make some of these upcoming matchups a little more interesting. And I want to see this quarterback play. I, not Maybe he won't get the test this week, but I want to see him the next couple weeks because there's, there's some of the stuff I've read is, is he might be better than Josh Rosen and – He's kind of really under the radar, so I'm yeah, going to be fascinated to watch. It's Jake Browning. He had, he had a big game against Grambling. Grambling play, is playing football this year, so um, I think he went for 200 and 100 against Grambling. Well, he's, mm-hmm. he currently leads the nation in pass efficiency, whatever that's worth to you. He's thrown nine touchdown passes in the last two games. So, uh, yeah, good point, Sean. I'd like to kind of ch- – I'm sure I'll be up late watching this game. I'd like to kind of check him out. I will, though, be taking Arizona with the points at home in this game. Guys, I think that about does it. Anything else for the good of the order in week four? Sean, I'll start with you. No, I think that's all. I think what, uh, you know, at some point we're, I think it'd be nice to uh, they kind of post these out, let folks follow them, and then obviously they need to hit us up with questions, thoughts, comments, or ridicule, which after last weekend I think we'll be fully accepting of. No question. Chili? 
Um, just another game out on here. Here's the uh, the I hate money bet of the week. I'm t- actually going to take Marshall plus the points. It is the worst sandwich spot ever for Louisville. I hate betting against Lamar Jackson, but it's for St. Clemson, so Lamar Jackson is going to take my money again. I will take Marshall plus the points later. I'm, I'm actually going to do the same thing, which is disgusting. Jay? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. I'll take Marshall. Anyway, we, we are Marshall. Hold on, hold on. Can you please just, for the record, say you're going to take Louisville for my sake? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. In fact, I, I won't I won't root for Louisville the rest of the year. Ooh. <laughs> I, I think I actually texted that to you guys last week. That, that they're now my most hated team in the country. It's still Bama, Bama for me, but, uh, yeah, I, I can see that. Guys, I think that about does it. Uh, we are going to say so long for now i hope you all have a great week four we will talk to you again next week and hopefully we do a heck of a lot better with our picks than we did last week for sean z farky and Schillick, this is monar signing off thanks for listening we'll talk to you next week